Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. What's going on, Love Tribe? Thank you for joining us. We hope you're doing great. 
And we have a very special episode for you. Obviously, the coronavirus is probably on a lot of your minds. Very timely. Yes. And it's definitely on Sarah and I's. And so we decided we really wanted to put together an episode and future episodes in the coming weeks about how to navigate this because there's going to be, there already is probably a lot of stress on your intimate relationships. If you're single and dating, social distancing is not great for that. On your family relationships and and friends as well. And we've experienced this already. Sarah and I are, are navigating it pretty good. There's been a few hiccups and negotiations around things, but definitely in our friend groups, there's been some interesting things going on. And we want to give you some tools to help navigate that. And today we talk with Dr. Melanie Joy, who is a Harvard-educated psychologist specializing in relationships, communication, and social change. And her work has been featured on media outlets around the world, including the New York Times, BBC, ABC, and she has been granted a number of international awards for her work. And we really just dive into how to relate better anytime, but through the context of these unique times. And as Chase mentioned, we will be putting a lot of information together in the next coming weeks that can benefit you in this specific time of stress and tension in your life and in your relationship. But also remember that we have a ton of episodes that we've done, over 150 um, from a whole all different ranges of... 250, of, right? Two, oh, what did I Don't say? Don't undersell us. <laughs> did I say 150? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, over 250. <laughs> so, and so tons of episodes on anxiety or feeling lonely or just not connecting with your partner. So we'll link to a lot of those in the show notes over the next couple of weeks. And we really encourage you to, to check them out because especially right now, we think they'll be very beneficial for you and your relationship. And we mentioned it in the show, but uh, wanted to just be clear, we're not giving medical advice, uh, mental health advice, but if you are looking to sort of streamline the information coming in, I know I found that checking the news was not good for my mental health. (laughs) Sarah and I have decided we're going to take a block on that. And I actually subscribe to the Johns Hopkins newsletter where they give, I think it's daily update on basically what you need to know if you if there are things you need to know. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then also just check out the CDC website, which we'll also link to. Those can be your best health guides. And I would strongly recommend really not consuming too much media because I just notice a very direct influence on my state of anxiety. And I don't consider myself in a, in a particularly anxious person, but when I'm reading it and, and today we're recording this like the day after Trump banned all flights from Europe, the NBA postponed their season, like there was a lot of things going on. So uh, if you can streamline that, I think that will also be beneficial personally and relationally. And as always, thank you guys for listening to the show and subscribing. And yeah, we appreciate you guys and stay safe and wash your hands, wash your hands. Don't cough on other people. (laughs) Enjoy the episode. 
Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hi, Melanie. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, hi. Well, thank you so much for having me. There's a lot going on in the world today. And of course, coronavirus is on everyone's minds. So we thought we could focus today's conversation around your book and how we can think about relating to others better all the time, but particularly during these times. Sure, sure. And yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, this uh, there's a lot going on in the world. There are a lot of stressors that have been in the world for a long time. There are a lot of, you know, global problems, personal problems, interpersonal problems that we're, you know, constantly facing. And, and we are now facing a, a, a pandemic, um, which means that, um, you know, the global conversation is really focused on this one particular issue. And this one particular issue, the coronavirus, is causing a tremendous amount of, of stress for people, um, you know, even if they're quite far removed from it. Um, so, you know, it's really important for us to think about what we can do to help keep ourselves and our relationships feeling secure in this time. Um, and when we talk about, when I talk in my book about the relational immune system, I, I compare relationships to bodies. Essentially, relationships are like bodies in some ways. They get sick when their immune system is weaker than the germs that challenge them. When it comes to relationships, the germs I'm referring to, to are, in fact, stressors. You know, they can be everyday stressors. Um, you know, they can be larger stressors like the loss of a job, for example. Um, but as long as we keep our relational immune system stronger than the stressors that we encounter, our relationships remain resilient. You know, it means their ability, they have the ability to withstand and bounce back from stress. And the way that we create a strong relational immune system is basically committing to keeping our relationship feeling, or in ourselves feeling, I should say, in our relationship, both secure and connected. These are the two components of a strong relational immune system or a resilient relationship. So if you think about relationships in your own life, chances are those relationships that feel strong, that they're like able to withstand the stressors that come their way are relationships in, in which you feel more secure and more connected. You can think of security and connection, connection on a spectrum. It's not like you know, you're necessarily secure and connected or you're not. You can be more or less secure and connected in a relationship. And so the, the, the real, the North Star I talk about in my book, the North Star of security and, and connection is integrity. When we practice integrity, 
we increase the sense of security and connection in ourselves and in the other with whom we're in relationship. When we practice integrity, very specifically, what this means is that we practice our core moral values. And here I'm talking, uh, there are a number of them that we have, but most importantly, um, the moral values of compassion or caring and justice or fairness. These are um, two values that have been found to be basically universal moral values. So when we practice compassion and justice, when we basically treat the other with respect and we practice integrity toward ourselves, we create a greater sense of security and connection in our relationship. That is a great foundation for us to work off of here. And obviously, as we mentioned right now, there's probably a lot of stress just following the news, but financially, there's going to be a lot of repercussions. People are probably already feeling them and they might be hearing this and being like, great, okay, we need to make our relationship immune system stronger, but they're not really feeling like our the core moral values are, are there or that they could be better. So how can an individual start working towards that? Well, I mean, that most people, research has shown that most people do share these, these core moral values. Um, it becomes increasingly challenging to practice our integrity, to bring our integrity into the relationship, basically, you know, to quote unquote, do the right thing when we feel increasingly stressed, of course. Um, so when we think about, you know, what's happening in the world today, we think specifically about the coronavirus, a lot of people are feeling insecure. And, um, you know, for very good reasons. Um, of course, when we look at the numbers, the chances of us being directly physically harmed by the coronavirus are, are relatively low. Nevertheless, as you point out, there are concerns beyond just our own individual safety um, or physical safety. When people feel insecure, you know, when we feel insecure, um, we often bring this feeling into our relationships, into our homes. And one of the, you know, it becomes increasingly difficult to be that person we want to be in relationship um, for our partner or for ourselves. So we need to, you know, first of all, you know, recognize that that some of us are not going to be, many of us are not going to be at our best. Um, and Healthy relationships have wiggle room. They have wiggle room for us to mess up and to make mistakes and to, to be, you know, not our best selves and, and have that still be okay to, to feel accepted. Not, I'm not talking about accepting, you know, disrespectful behaviors, but, but accepting people, each of us in our own vulnerability and really asking the person with whom we're in relationship, you know, what can I do to help you feel more secure? And asking ourselves, what do I need in order to feel more secure? What one person needs in order to feel secure in a given situation may be quite different than what the other needs. Um, and so there needs to really be a dialogue about this. And right now, one of the key issues that's creating, that I have observed anyway, creating friction in relationships is that people have a different idea of what is healthy hygiene. You know, what is so, you know, you're somebody who is particularly concerned with the, the virus coming into your home and you're being extra careful to wash your hands the way, you know, these online videos are telling you to wash your hands and sterilize and say your partner is not. And then is coming into the home, you know, and being less careful you are probably going to feel rather insecure and that's probably going to create 
quite some friction in, in your relationship unless you're able to have an open dialogue about the issue and in which you each hear each other and take each person's, each other's uh, security concerns or needs very uh, seriously. Security is really the bottom line need of needs in relationships. If you don't feel secure in a relationship, you know, very little else matters. And each of us has an obligation to commit to the sense of security of the other with whom we're in relationships. And of course, you know, we're going to have competing or conflicting needs at times, but security needs are not the same. They're not on the same level as other kinds of needs. So, for example, um, if you're in a car and you're a passenger and you're driving with somebody who is, in your perception, tailgating, and um, and that's making you feel anxious, and you share this with the other person and say, "Listen, I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to be a backseat driver. I, you know, I'm. I just need to tell you that I'm feeling anxious right now." The person who's driving may say, well, don't tell me how to drive or it's all fine. Don't worry about it. I know what I'm doing. However, the passenger is not going to feel better based on that uh, communication. And, and it really is the obligation of the person who is um, in, a, in a position to help their partner or their passenger, whoever it is, to feel more secure to do so if they can. If we all commit to helping the people in our lives feel more secure, um, our relationships will transform dramatically just from that one act because security needs are not needs that you can easily just change. The passenger can't just turn off their fear um, in traffic, whereas the driver can actually just go a little bit more slowly. The person who is having hygiene concerns in the house can't just stop being afraid of germs coming in the house while their partner can make the effort to sterilize their hands a bit more frequently. Do you have any advice for maybe couples who are dealing with that specific issue where maybe one person is resistant to wanting to do that change, like sanitize a little bit more or change their lifestyle a little bit in this situation? And so that now creates a bit of a power struggle and then even more stress on the relationship. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great question. Hygiene issues, actually. People are quite different in terms of their, their personal hygiene. And I, I wrote about this, actually, in my book. Um, people have different, uh, you know, subjective and very different ideas of what feels clean, quote-unquote, clean or hygienic to them. And hygiene needs are not needs that are easily changed. Um, you know, if, if there's something, for example, that you perceive as unhygienic, um, you know, the, the emotional response to that is disgust. Disgust is an emotional response that we experience on a very visceral level. That is very difficult, if not impossible, just to turn off. So all the reassurance in the world or all of the dialogue in the world probably is not going to change your disgust response. So, so when there is a difference uh, between people around hygiene, it's much easier for the person who's, you know, who is not as concerned with hygiene to change than it is for the person who is concerned with hygiene because hygiene needs are security needs. They tend to be needs that are based on, um, you know, 
that reflect a sense of insecurity when the hygiene needs are not met. People feel afraid of getting contaminated. They also can feel afraid of getting disgusted um, and turned off to being around the person who's not being as hygienic as, as they would like. So I would recommend, and I, I think it's really important, again, to frame this conversation in the context of, or, or ask the question, you know, is there a security need here? Or is this just you know, people who have different desires and different, different lifestyles. It's much easier for somebody to change a straightforward behavior that's not tied to a visceral emotional response and that's not tied to a security need like hygiene. It is much easier for them to change that straightforward behavior like washing their hands more regularly, um, taking their shoes off when they enter the house, than it is asking the other person to just not care so much about it. That's such an important and timely point, because I'm sure that's, as you said, everyone's view on hygiene is different. So now more than ever, as per the CDC, this again, we're not medical doctors here, but washing your hands, super valuable way to help prevent the spread of this. And I imagine there's people that could be resistant to that. So if you're the one that is more less disgusted, just do it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because there is a lot of resistance um, often to to requests to be more hygienic. And some of this is actually gendered. Um, you know, it's more often than not in heterosexual relationships. Anyway, it's the woman who is asking her male partner to be more hygienic. And, you know, if, if there is something that you can do, that it's a simple shift of behavior that can help your partner feel more secure that's a great investment in your relationship. And, and if you're choosing not to do that, it's important to ask yourself why. And chances are, you know, it's because uh, it, it's because you're holding on to power in some way. Um, if all of us were willing to make simple behavioral changes that we know will make our partner help our partners and, and the people in our lives to feel more secure, especially in a world where there's just so much insecurity. Um, there, there's no real good reason not to do that. I would love to touch a little bit more on the power struggle and the, the dynamics of the potential of these quarantines and that dynamic within relationships. Because Chase and I specifically and our, our group of friends were having a bit of a struggle with the ladies and this was more like two weeks ago before things got, you know, kind of how they are now, but where in our group, it was like, well, maybe we should stop going to busy restaurants and workout classes where these germs could be spread. And me and, and the ladies in my group, we had a, we had a bit of a struggle of like giving up that power of our freedom. And there was, it brought a lot of tension between our partners and kind and of the, the and the group because there was this kind of separation of beliefs of what we should be doing and so it caused a lot of tension in a lot, like all of our relationships so can you maybe talk on on that and maybe how those discussions can happen in a healthy way so it doesn't create even more stress in the relationship 
Let's take a break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Native. Native creates safe, simple, and effective deodorants that smell amazing and actually work. Their formula contains simple ingredients that you can understand and read, so you know everything that is in your deodorant. Native is aluminum-free, and it's also vegan and never tested on animals. Native has over 10 scents for men and women, including their classic scents like our personal favorite, coconut mm, and vanilla. Smells so good. Yeah. <laughs> Plus rotating seasonal scents, so you're guaranteed to find one you love. They also offer an unscented formula and a baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. And Native is also super excited, and so are we, for the relaunch of their toothpaste line. Just like their deodorant, there is only good ingredients, none of those chemicals or parabens, and they use a special blend of naturally derived cleansers, flavors, and whiteners to deliver a great brushing experience. They have two minty flavors with the option of fluoride or fluoride-free that will leave your teeth whiter and fresher than ever before. And if you're still not convinced, <laughs> check out the over 9,000 five-star reviews from happy customers who made the switch to Native. Try Native risk-free with free returns and exchanges in the U.S. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code IDO20 during checkout. That's nativedeodorant.com and use promo code IDO20 at checkout. Today's episode is also brought to you by Dipsy. So now more than ever, since a lot of us are spending time self-quarantining <laughs> and not going, not out, going on out on dates. dates and licking railings, hopefully you're not doing that, <laughs> you might find yourself spending more time alone and need a break from all of this media, social media, and uh, maybe stress in your life. Mm, and that's why we want to tell you about Dipsy. Dipsy is an audio app full of short, sexy stories and guided sessions that are designed to turn you on and help you get in touch with yourself. The stories are relatable and immersive, so you feel like you're right there. And there truly is something for everyone, no matter what you're into. They add a new content every week, so there's always more to explore. You can find stories about a spontaneous hookup with a hot stranger, getting closer with that sexy yoga instructor, <laughs> interesting, or even stories about trying that new toy together. The guided sessions can help you unlock new confidence or heighten your intimacy with your partner. So for this new year, try a new way of getting turned on with Dipsy. And for our listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering a 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash I do. That's a 30-day free trial when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash I do. Dipsystories.com slash I do. Yeah, I mean, people, um, you know, often people assume that relationship problems are the result of differences different wants, different needs, different personalities, different ways of being in the world. But, but in general, the differences are not what cause the problems. It's how we relate to our differences that does. Um, you know, we, we very often, when we are communicating about our different desires or 
different needs. And I think this is what, what you're referring to, you know, that the tension that comes from people who are not necessarily on the same page um, around decisions. Um, you know, very, very often when we start talking about our different wants or our different needs, we keep the conversation on the level of content. You know, the content is what? You know, it's what we're talking about. I want to stay home. You want to go out. Um, uh, but, but what we need to do is to bring that conversation down to the level of process. The process is how we are communicating. Every communication has these two components, the content and the process. And most of us tend to really over-focus on the content and we tend to under-focus on the process. But the process matters more. So if you think, for example, about a, a conversation that you had maybe a week ago or maybe like a month or even a year ago, you know, chances are you don't even remember what you talked about. The whole content might be gone, but you probably still remember how you felt in that conversation. You probably still remember the experience of the process. So it's really important to remember that underneath the differences between people, the differences we have is a relationship between people. And and that's where we need our focus to be. So when we are communicating, when we're trying to make decisions, um, it's so important that we be committed to a healthy process. And a healthy process basically is a process that has, as its goal, mutual understanding. Really, that's the reason we communicate in, in the first place, right? It's, it's simply to, you know, help the other person understand our thoughts and feelings and have us understand their thoughts and feelings. When our, it doesn't mean that we're going to want the same thing, but if we don't have, as our goal, mutual understanding connection, essentially, um, we can wind up in a battle of, of justifications, a battle of debates that goes on and on and on and just really ends up becoming very toxic and very draining. When our process is healthy, we can talk about just about anything without arguing. And when our process is not healthy, we can't talk about anything without arguing. I mean, I'm sure you've seen people who are like really on the same page with just about everything. And yet they still seem to find a way to fight with each other. This is so valuable. And just thinking back to the group conversation we had a couple of weeks ago, it seemed like the process was was pretty good, at least from my side. Uh, I was not the one leading this discussion, but it was uh, it's like a friend group of like five couples. And and it was very split across the genders. And I thought it was just so interesting that this was going on, that there was a lot of resistance from the the women. And and I think the, the men in the group, we all, we live in Costa Rica here and we all surf and that's like, that's our outlet. And so this did not affect our surfing. We were still able to go and surf under, you know, a recommendation by the by the friend group, what we were having a discussion about to limit social interaction, not going out to eat, not going to yoga class, but the women, it directly affected them big time. And, and so, but it was so interesting because I, f- I feel like what really got lost was the, what should have been a mutual concern for all of everyone's health. And it, it was pretty clear to me that it was more, the men are telling the women what to do here. And it was, it was very interesting. Um, I don't want to say experiment, but just 
seeing these dynamics go on in real time. I remember the process and how I felt from the meeting. I can't remember everything that was said and the debate aspect of it, but I remember feeling very powerless in a sense. Yeah. And we, we all bring, you know, to speak to your point about power, um, you know, we, John Gottman um, did some interesting research and, and he found that um, in heterosexual couples, again, um, that's what, what his research was on. Um, the, the relationships that thrived, that fared the best were those in which um, the male partners were open to the influence of the women in their lives. Um, and, you know, we are conditioned by these, you know, all of us are conditioned by broad social systems, um, you know, systems such as, patriarchy, for instance, you know, or some people refer to as as sexism or the system that breeds sexism. Um, And we are conditioned to relate to one another, um, whether it's across gender lines or across race lines or or whatever it may be, um, in a way that reflects a particular type of power dynamic. There's so much to think about just in in the patriarchy and in relating. And then layer that into the context of the discussion that we had around the virus and, and health concerns just in general, it gets very interesting to me because we certainly want to acknowledge that. And then there's power struggles. And then to me, then negotiation kind of comes in, but how can we negotiate that? Because I'm not trying to scare people or anything, but it can be life or death for some people in different situations too. But if the women in this case, they were resistant, you know, and and rightfully so, and I understood, but it seemed to the group and then the women did come around, but like, this is the the safer thing to do, but it, it took some a lot of negotiating. And I imagine these conversations are, are going on all over the place right now. And are there any other tips or communication styles we can employ to to negotiate? But if the compromise is, well, I still want to go out and party with a thousand people in I'm in northern Italy. Well, that's shut down. But like at what point is it like, no, I'm I'm making this decision for our family. And that could be from from the female side or from the male side. Right. And I don't mean to say that all of this is about gender, um, because it's not. I mean, obviously, relationships are very complex and, you know, we play lots of different roles in our relationships and in the world outside of of just a gender gender relationships. Um, Yeah, it's it's a very good question you ask. I think one way to think about or, or to address your question is to really think about how we can make decisions that are relational decisions in our lives. Relational decisions, meaning decisions that are good for relationships. Um, not just our relationship with our partner, but our relationship with the, the you know, the whole that we're a part of. Um, asking ourselves right now, you know, the conversation has, it continues to be, to a large extent anyway, and, and has been, when we're talking about the coronavirus, um, you know, what can I do to protect myself? How can I stay safe, you know, in this global epidemic? Um, and I think it's really important for us to start to think more relationally. 
and not just ask the question, what can I do to keep myself safe? Or even what can I do to keep my family safe? But, but you know, how do we create an environment um, and a mindset that helps all of us stay safe? You know, how and really think about our choices and our behaviors and the way that they impact others. So, you know, hand washing, we started out talking about, um, and this is actually a really good example. It's obviously important to be washing our hands properly for ourselves, but it's also important to be doing this for, you know, the broader society of which we're a part the people, strangers and non-strangers that we come into contact with on a daily basis who may not have immune systems that are as strong as ours and yet who end up being subjected to um, the germs that we may pass on um, because we haven't taken the time to take the necessary precautions to reduce the chances that we will be passing those germs on. So we really do need to be be relating or or... Yeah, moving, moving, thinking more relationally when we think about what we need to do to create a world, um, you know, that's just a, a cleaner and a safer and healthier world for everyone. And really, what this comes down to is the question of, for us as individuals, you know, how can we move through the world in a way, through our lives and the world in a way that promotes healthy relationality, that promotes healthy relationships, healthy relational dynamics or, or interactions. So, you know, to understand this, you know, what is it? What is like the, the formula for creating a healthy interaction or a healthy relationship? You know, a relationship is basically just a, a series of interactions. And, you know, if you think about a relationship in your own life, right? Think of your own experience. Think of a relationship in your own life that you would consider a good relationship, like even a great relationship. And think in that relationship of how you feel when it comes to connection. You know, chances are you probably feel connected in that relationship. And if you think about how um, the person you're relating with treats you, chances are you probably feel that they practice integrity toward you, that they treat you with respect. They treat you the way that you would want to be treated. And so chances are you also feel that your dignity is honored in that relationship, meaning that that person views and treats you as though you are fundamentally worthy. So these are hallmarks of a healthy relational interaction or a healthy relationship. A healthy relational interaction or healthy relationship is one that reflects integrity, that honors dignity, and results in a sense of connection. And then the opposite, of course, is true. If you think of a relationship in your life that's not so great, like lousy, maybe it's with somebody you've never met before, like an online troll, for example, um, you know, chances are you have exactly the opposite experience. You don't feel connected with them. You feel disconnected from them. You don't feel that they practice integrity. You feel that they violate their integrity. And you certainly don't feel that your dignity is honored. So whatever situation we're in, you know, whether it's dealing with our, our, our housemate, you know, uh, who's got different fears about contracting the coronavirus or bringing it into the house or, or dealing with, you know, our colleagues, whatever the situation is, we can commit to doing our best to practicing healthy relationality, meaning to bringing integrity, to practicing integrity and honoring dignity 
and therefore hopefully increasing our sense of connection um, in our interactions and in our relationships. You can apply this formula to pretty much anything. So when you're having a conflict, when people are stressed, you know, pause and ask yourself, pause and ask yourself, is this behavior I'm about to engage in, does this reflect integrity? Does this honor the dignity of the other? Does it do? Am I treating them with respect and communicating that they're worthy? If the answer is yes, then it's it's a healthy relational behavior. If the answer is no, then you may want to rethink whether you're going to engage in it. And you mentioned connectedness, and I, I just listened to a podcast with uh, Dan Harris, and I forget the researcher he was interviewing, but she she was a happiness researcher for the last thirty years. We'll have to put a link to it in the show notes, but the overall theme of what leads to the most happiness across all of our research in people's lives was connection. And, and that's really what we're talking about here in, in our relationships and creating a, a system, a, a culture of integrity to create more connection and more individual happiness. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, if you just think about your own experience again, I mean, chances are you feel more connected with people who you trust will honor your, who you trust will practice integrity toward you. You know, you trust that they will be compassionate toward you, that they will, you know, act with your best interests at heart, that they will be honest with you. Um, of course, you're going to feel more connect, connected with them. So it's, it's important for us also to not hold ourselves to these, you know, to, to, there's a lot of toxic moral perfectionism in the world at the moment. And so what I'm saying here is not sort of a formula that, that you know, we should feel perfectionistic about. Um, you know, we all do the best we can with what we have. We've, we've all been born into a deeply, deeply dysfunctional world. I mean, this world is so non-relational that we are so in that we are all so conditioned to interact in ways that are the opposite of what I was just describing, that um, we really need to have a lot of compassion with ourselves because, you know, it's, it's um, most, most of us have never gotten a single lesson in how to relate healthfully, you know, and how to, how to communicate effectively. We just do the best we can with, with what we've learned. And most of what we've learned has come from, you know, either our dysfunctional culture at large or, and, or, you know, our parents, um, who were generally not great models, or, or Hollywood. Um, and if you, when you think about it, um, it's really quite amazing that most of us have to learn complicated geometry that we'll probably never need to use, and we don't get a single lesson in how to be healthy relational beings. And when we look at some of the most pressing problems facing our world today, you know, like war, poverty, pandemics, um, animal exploitation, environmental degradation. These are, these are not problems that result from people who don't know how to do geometry. So it's very important, I think, for us to, to just to recognize that most people, most of us are doing the best we can with what we have and to commit to learning and or developing what I call relational literacy, which is the understanding of an ability to practice healthy ways of relating. So what I'm talking about here is this can be learned. I mean, it's not rocket science. People can really significantly improve their ability to relate in healthy ways and increase the security and connection in all their relationships just with a, you know, a little bit of, of information and practice. Amen. We think it's so important 
to emphasize that. And we're so thankful for people like yourselves doing the work on the professional side to give us and our listeners this information. And before we wrap up, Melanie, you touched on it and I and you mentioned it in your book. And I, I just want, I'm very curious. You, you talk about how it's a myth that we need to love ourselves before we can love others. Why do you say that? Well, I mean, this is it's interesting because this is a concept that's really caught on and people tend to just accept it um, at face value. And I don't know that there's any research that actually supports it. Um, and and it's important for us uh, ourselves not to have this expectation of ourselves, because for many people, it's it's not that easy to love ourselves and it's much easier to love others. And um, there are many people who will say that they actually learned how to love through loving others. You know, we are relational beings. We, we learn and grow and develop in relationship, not in isolation. So, you know, as many new parents can attest or, or new lovers can attest, they have learned how to love through loving and being loved by others. We all look at ourselves through each other's eyes. And when we look at ourselves through the eyes of someone who loves us, when we experience what it's like to be related to in a loving way, somebody really treats us as though they have our best interests at heart. This can be an incredibly powerful model for us to develop the very same attitudes and behaviors of love and compassion toward ourselves. And this is why relationships are, you know, such an amazing thing in some ways, because our relationships are minute to minute interactions and our relationships can be the training ground on which to grow into our better selves. We love it. And uh, this has been an amazing conversation, Melanie. Thank you so much for all of this information and for being flexible and making it timely towards the the health scare that we're all experiencing. And um, I think it's it's very valuable now more than ever always to be working on these things. But I think under this stress, they can become more apparent. So let's wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, if there's anything you want to leave them with, and then we'll say goodbye. Great. Thank you so much. And um, sure, listeners can um, learn more about my book, Getting Relationships Right, and about my work at MelanieJoy.org. Wonderful. We'll have the links uh, to your website on your show notes page on our website at idpodcast.com. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14 day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our 
flagship course, Spark My Relationship. We hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week. listening to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com